Fashion and beauty are serious business. On this podcast, we will hear from amazing creative entrepreneurs. Join us as we explore their unique success stories, learn from experts, and hear about their journeys. Steve Jobs famously said that, the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. So let's get crazy. I'm your host, Ann Zuckerman, and this is the Just Wanted to Ask podcast. Ladies, have you ever had one of those uncomfortable headlight moments? Don't you want to be heard without distraction? Bezzy broad discs are your solution. Go to justwantedtoask.com and look for Bezzy broad discs. Good afternoon. I am so excited today to welcome Sandra Yancey to the podcast. Uh, Sandra Yancey is the CEO and founder of eWomen Network. Her company is a multi-million dollar enterprise with over 500,000 women connected through 118 chapters spread across North America, Australia, and the United Kingdom. eWomen Network produces over 15 hundred women's business events each year and the largest multi-day international women's business conference of its kind in North America annually. In addition to authoring six best-selling books on business, Sandra is an award-winning entrepreneur and is recognized by the International Alliance of Women as one of the world's 100 top difference makers and by CNN as an American hero. The eWomen Network Foundation she created has to date awarded cash grants to 115 nonprofit organizations and scholarships to 186 emerging female leaders of tomorrow. Welcome Sandra to the podcast. Oh, I have to tell you, I'm just so excited uh, to be here with you, Anne. Thank you for uh, inviting me. Well, thank you. So one of the things you say at the beginning is that you describe eWomen as a one-stop complete success system for entrepreneurs. Start at the beginning. How did you envision the, this program? Well, to be honest with you, uh, when I was writing the business plan in 1999, after I moved here from a very small town, small farm town to big Dallas, um, I immediately wanted to start networking, uh, and I did that, and I could not find um, a place where I could speak specifically to other women that wanted to grow a million-dollar business. Uh, for me, it wasn't about making a million dollars, as it was a benchmark for me for how many people I would serve. So if, I took, if you take a million dollars and you divide it by kind of your average customer uh, uh, revenue that you get from the average customer that tells you how many people that you would serve. And I just felt like I wanted to go for that. I felt like I had, you know, invested a lot in my education and my ongoing personal development in my corporate career. And if I was going to be away from my little kids and my children were just four and almost nine years old at the time, um, I just wanted to, it to be really worth my while. I had some causes that I was 
you know, really passionate about, that I was always, you know, volunteering and writing checks, and I wanted to support them in a bigger way. I noticed how hard it was for nonprofits to operate on volunteerism alone. They all need cash to really keep their businesses up and running and functioning and growing. And um, I just, I wanted to do more. And so when I couldn't find it, uh, here in Dallas, I found a lot of wonderful people, but, but where were those intentional women business owners that really knew that they had something that would change the lives of their customers? Um, I wanted to, and I, I wanted to be girlfriends with them. I wanted to hang out with them. I wanted to talk and dream and brainstorm and, and do all of those things. And so, um, when I couldn't find it, I started to build it on my own and to be completely transparent with you, Anne, I, I didn't know what I didn't know. I had never done it before. I knew nothing about, you know, building a company and, and, and hiring a staff and being, you know, on the fifth floor, like I am right now in a tower, you know, in Dallas, Texas, I'd never paid rent for, for an office building by any means. I mean, I just, I didn't know so much. And in retrospect, I'm glad I didn't. I, I do think that if I would have been told all these things I was going to have to learn and know and grow into, um, I think I would have gotten into my small voice, my small thinking, my critical Christina, and just said, you can't do that. I mean, who are you to think that you can do that? Those are for people that, you know, have, you know, a lot of people supporting them and helping them and you're out here really kind of by yourself. And so, I'm glad I didn't know. And I just kind of tripped my way to now what is a global multimillion dollar enterprise. And, and what I want to do, what I believe in my heart is that there are millions of other women entrepreneurs who are like I was, right? And I do believe in lifting as we climb. I do believe there's enough for everyone. I do believe that the reason why men have been so successful for so long is they've had each other to mentor each other, to share with each other, to lift each other up, to bring them along, to open doors, to give them access, to tell them about the wisdom from the mistakes that they've made so they didn't have to do it. And I thought, what would it be like for women to be able to do that? Now, today, it's a cool thing, right? Women supporting women. But I was supporting I was women supporting women before it was cool. I mean, I've been doing this for 22 years. The only thing I've done for the last 22 years, soon to be 23 in September, every time I get out of bed and first give gratitude for waking up and being able to get up and get out of bed, all I've done full time is help move the dreams of women entrepreneurs forward. Yes, certainly. Um, it, that's amazing. And I love the mentorship involved. Um, speaking of which, uh, one of the core pro parts of your program is that at the beginning of every meeting, we all read the nine core values, yes. which you created at the beginning. Well, I created the first three of them, to be um, honest. And then a dear friend of mine, Ken Cragen in LA met another woman from Texas by the name of Dina Dwyer Owens. And uh, she was out in LA. They met and Ken said, do you know Sandra? And she said, no. And he texted me, do you know Dina Dwyer Owens? And I said, no. 
and she lives in Waco. I'm in Dallas. She's in Waco a couple of hours away. And she had built at the time a $7 billion business. And um, he wanted to introduce us. And he did. He made the introduction via email. We uh, talked and she said, I'd love to meet you. And I said, I'll come to Waco. She says, no, 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 no. I need to come to Dallas. Are you available on this day? I said, absolutely. I brought her here. Um, I, I opened my whole business to her, what I was doing, my business model, all those things. And at the very end, and I said to her, What's, what, is, what are three things that you've seen that you think I should be paying attention to something I'm not doing that I should be doing something that I'm doing that I should be doing uh, better, something that I'm doing that I should have no business doing. What from, you know, what's your one thing in each of the three categories. And the thing that she said that I needed to be doing better was that I only had three values and I, I needed to expand them. I needed to know, you know, having a mission statement, 1 million women each making $1 million is what you do. Your values are how you do it and who you want to do it with, right? Not all people are our people. You know, there's 7 billion people on the planet. I do believe there's enough for everyone, but not everyone's my kind of person and not everyone I bet is your kind of person, right? I believe in being respectful. I believe in being honest. I believe in telling the truth with integrity. I believe in abundance, right? I believe in lifting each other up. If you know something, say something, help someone. Not tit for tat, quid pro quo, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Help people because you can. And not everybody believes in all of that. It's not that they're wrong. It's just that you want to find those that do. And she really, she wrote a book called Values, Inc., she uh, was featured on um, Undercover Boss. In fact, they did a best of Undercover Boss, and she was picked. And, you know, I didn't question. I thought a woman who I gelled with, who I liked, who I uh, just immediately, you know, we were in this simpatico, wonderful relationship, you know, whatever she was going to tell me to do, I was going to do it. And so I actually brought in my top five performing, highest performing managing directors. I flew them in and I put them up at a hotel and we worked all day and we said, what's missing here? And they came up with about seven of the nine. I then presented them and took my team offsite to say, this is what our managing directors say they're in the field. We can't have two separate values. We've all got to be operating to the same rhythm, the same beat. We have to be in the same alignment. They actually loved everything that they came up with, maybe a few little minor wordsmithing tweaks. I mean, nothing major. And they came up with a couple of more. And so I took those back to everyone after they'd gone back to their respective cities. They loved them. And we basically have used that as a way to really build our culture. But Anne, can I just tell you, here's what was in my blind spot. And the real blessing of it all is that your values, when you really do attract people that are in alignment with those values, you move from being a group. You move from talking to an audience, right? You really do build community. I mean, everybody's talking about community. Very few people have actually done it. And I really do believe, and it's one of the things that I do in my, my coaching program, is have people get really clear on what they stand for. Because the more successful you become, uh, more opportunities come your way. <laughs> but not all opportunities are the right opportunities, right? You can get really sidetracked 
right? And really go down a wrong road with the wrong opportunity. And your, your, your mission statement and your values really, really keep you focused on making the main thing the main thing. And to really make sure that you're playing on, in the majors and not in the minors, right? And I just feel that it is really almost the net that really buoys you whenever there is something catastrophic like a pandemic, or if you hear about what's going on in the economy, it appears we're going into a winter season, you know? I mean, I'm not about, you know, hiding and freezing. It's an opportunity for me to go out and ski and build snowmen and do things, right, that other people tend to hibernate. And those values and that um, mission statement is really what keeps things floating when other people find themselves really freezing or drowning. I think too, because we keep reading it at every meeting, it solidifies what they mean. Yeah. And we all hear it. Yeah. Um, And we call people on things when they're not in alignment with that. I mean, it, it's, it's, yeah, eWomen Network is in many ways a self-selection. You can select yourself in. But we find that those that really don't, aren't in alignment with our values don't stay as long. I mean, I, I have people, and we're we'll be having our conference here coming up, who have been members, paid members for 20 years. I mean, that says something, doesn't it, Anne? I mean, it was amazing. I just was at a meeting the other day and I had people stand up who had been with eWomen Network for 15 plus years. And, you know, in a room of 70 people, over 10 people stood up. I mean, that's significant. It really is significant. You know, that was just one chapter, one meeting. I mean, it's, it makes a difference. And it's so funny because so many people see doing your mission statement and your value, values as kind of a perfunctory okay, I think they think of it as corporate America that put it on a plaque or something, (laughs) you know? I mean, I have, these are our values. Every single employee has our values framed and on their desk. We have copies of them in our conference room. Whenever we have a meeting of two or more people, we read our values before we start. It helps us let go of what happened before we got to the meeting and get really present to sometimes deal with difficult conversations. But when you're doing things in the spirit of good intention, which is one of our values, right, it just makes everything work. You know, I was just saying, uh, my husband's uh, mother uh, passed away uh, less than a week ago. And I literally got a card today from someone that I terminated. I mean, I really do believe that Um, you can even end relationships. My mother used to say to me, never forget, Sandra, that how you end relationships is more important than how you start them. You know, make sure that, I mean, people come into your life for seasons and reasons. People come into your life because you're hoping for the best and it just isn't working out, you know, and you have to make a change. But even all of that should be done with grace, ease, respect, And it was just interesting to me. I literally have a card behind me on my desk from someone that I terminated with love, grace, and ease. 
and, and still be able to receive a very unexpected condolence card in the mail. It works. Sure. It's, it's acting and living in, in love. Yes. Uh, with best intentions. Yes. And that's so important. And we all evolve and we all move. Yes. And we change. Our, our situations change. But we don't have to leave everything behind. Right. Sometimes we can move ahead in it. But sometimes mm-hmm. we also change course. Yes. And so that's also pivotal in so many ways. Yes. Um, you spoke briefly about your mom and mm. talk about strength in a mm. very small package. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> How did you know that? Did you meet my mother? <laughs> I actually did. did. I sat across from her oh and I could not goodness. believe how tiny she was. Yeah, four eight, I think. Yeah, <laughs> right. But, I just keep saying she was four nine in her heyday. <laughs> But she instilled such strength in you. And Mm -hmm. I know that you you tell the story about how you married young, but you maintained your own strength and individuality. Tell us about the lessons she shared. So many lessons. My daughter always said, and I didn't have any, any grandparents ever. You know, my mother was an orphan raised in a convent. Uh, before she came to the United States from Mexico. Uh, My father was uh, French-Canadian, and uh, he came to the United States for his own reasons, for which I will never fully know. He died before I ever got a chance to know him, tragically killed instantly in a car accident on my birthday when I was five. Um, His parents disapproved of my mother uh, because she was uh, half white and half black and Hispanic and Mexican. And um, so, unfortunately, uh, they they decided that they didn't want to have a relationship with him anymore. And when my father died, um, they didn't even come to the funeral. It's all okay. I, I just want you to know, I, I am at peace with all of this, okay? I've had my, my many years of trying to understand and, um, and getting help when I, when I couldn't. And I am at peace. Uh, with all of that. But my mother was left to raise three kids, you know, and uh, in a country that she wasn't familiar with, a language she didn't know well, uh, well enough to be able to get a driver's license in a small town in Ohio where there wasn't mass transit to get around. She, the nuns taught her to sew. And so she sewed everything from uh, men's dress shirts with French cuffs to uh, darning socks, you know, holes in the toes kind of things or the heels and, uh, and recreating the space. You know, my mother could weave it and she just, it was, I have a couple of those pieces. She actually made doilies. Um, uh, she was uh, a very uh, strong woman. My daughter always said, you know, the thing about Grammy, she was the littlest one in the room with the biggest presence. And yet she was a quiet woman. She was not a woman of many words, but the words she spoke always, um, you know, were memorable. She even used to say to me, and I often, when I didn't understand it, didn't, didn't um, ask her to clarify. Um, and I think she almost wanted to say things to me so that I would ponder them, so that that, that I would remember to explore when it or when a life instance happened. I would go. 
that's what my mother meant, you know, kind of thing when she said it. And one of them was, she used to say to me as a young girl, um, you know, Sandra, you, you, you have to go out there and really set yourself on fire. Um, everyone will come and watch you burn. And there's a lot of way, I remember thinking, what the heck is what I'm all talking about here, you know? But over time, you know, I would watch to this day, I have a, you know, I grow daffodils and they naturalize, you know, they multiply over the years. And it's interesting. I, I, I've kept it, even though it's a very odd bed of uh, where I have these daffodils grow. They come up every spring because it reminds me of my mother now that she's passed um, because they grow sideways. They, they come up and then they grow sideways. And it reminds me of my mother because the flowers are actually leaning into the sun. And the sun is nothing but fire. They are following the sun, right? It has that, it has that kind of power. And that's, I think, what my mother meant by burning. Go and set yourself on fire. In fact, people use it in their own vernacular every day, Anne. How are you doing? I'm on fire, right? Kind of thing. And um, so my mother was this woman of many, many sayings. She used to say, give without remembering and take without forgetting. No one makes it alone. So give unattached, right? But take in full gratitude. Um, those were the things that my mom, she raised me to be strong. She wanted me to have all the things that she couldn't have, you know, uh, she didn't believe that she could have that were too overwhelming for her to have. I had a brother thir 13 months older than me with a heart condition. Um, and so it was, it was hard to grow up in the United States under those circumstances on welfare. There wasn't a lot, but I felt I, like I had everything, you know. My mother was a sewer, so my clothes, even though they came from Goodwill, they were always tailored to fit, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, so I... Um, I, I mean, and my, and there was a little bit of a tug with me and my mom because, um, as I grew older and I felt strong enough to make my own convictions and my own decisions when they weren't in alignment with hers, that was a real struggle, you know, because on one hand she raised me to be strong, right. To be clear on what I wanted and to go after it. And on another hand, she would, you know, be frustrated if we weren't in alignment. So there was a bit of a tug with her and I between all of that. But it, um, it ultimately, uh, I mean, I am in large measure and um, a result of how my mother raised me. I, I miss her every day. I really do. I think about her. I miss her every single day. I miss her touch. I miss her voice. She was my biggest fan. I would go speaking and I would check on her if I was out of town. And she'd say, what city are you in? And I would tell her and she'd say, what are you doing? And I said, well, I was speaking to some women business owners. And her only question, Anne, was, did they like you? <laughs> did they like you, honey? You know, um, I, miss, I miss those kinds of things uh, with her. Um, but in the end, you know, it was a lot of reciprocity because when she fell very ill and she was in Ohio and I was in Dallas, I... I moved her here to Dallas, and I took care of her for the last five years of her life. I promised her that I would be with her when she took her last breath, and I was there. I was rubbing her feet, doing the things she loved me to do the most, and then I crawled in bed and held her. I celebrated her, and I told her, I, I, I celebrate you, and 
not but, and I already miss you. You know, mm-hmm. she's, she's still the, she's, she's still the matriarch of our family in many ways. She says such a large presence, uh, her aura, her lessons, her philosophies, her teachings in our lives. Mm-hmm. Such a wonderful gift um, because those lessons still live within your family yes. and within you. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very bl- much so. I was blessed to have a, a very strong mother myself, and I understand, yeah. and I live with her presence every day, and I and I'm grateful for it. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't that my mom was perfect and you know, all of that, but you know, I've just, you know, I've just decided I'm choosing to focus on all the positives, all the great things that she brought, you know? Sure. So within eWomen, you also have the mentorship program of the SOAR program. Tell Mm. us a little bit about that, because that also brings those gifts and lessons forward in a different way. Yes, yes. Um, that's my personal coaching program where I and only I work with a small group of women, um, no more than eight at a time for nine months. Uh, and these are women that are really sometimes, I mean, I've had women that have come in at the very beginning, like, you know, I, I just want to do this right the first time, Sandra, you know, and I've had women that are, you know, been in business 10 years. And while they've done okay, there's still oftentimes too much month at the end of the money, or they're making a lot of money, but they don't really have a lot to show for it. Um, uh, They don't know how to keep it. There's too many holes in their boats. It's kind of coming in, but it's just kind of going out and they can't quite figure out why. And um, what I know is that there are some real core things. And as a consultant to the CEO of Coca-Cola uh, for many years. When I, after I left corporate America, I had my own uh, private consulting business, Coca-Cola and John Deere and Levi Strauss and NCR and AT&T and Wall Street Journal. I had some really big, sexy clients. The fundamental, well, there's a lot of things that are different, obviously, and between corporate America and small businesses. There are some fundamentals, I think, that are really important. And so I've built eWomen Network based on those fundamentals and, uh, and still operate it today. And nothing from, you know, the internet bust to the market crash in, you know, uh, 2007 and eight with the real estate to the pandemic to, you know, any kind of, you know, what I always call economic winter uh, recession kind of talk. I think of it as a winter. Um, and I, you know, I, uh, you know, I've just been able to rebound and it's because I think that it really focuses businesses really focus on, you know, who are the people that you are aligning with? Um, I always say it's important to have an accountability buddy, but that's not, shouldn't be your mastermind group unless they're doing at least 10 times, if not a hundred times better, more than you. I mean, you, why would you want to take directions from someone who's never been to where you, you want to go? That's the, right? So you, you need to have the right people. You need to know who the always team is versus just the access team. Um, I think you need to know what your priorities are. They are always changing as you grow. Um, you, what are the things that really are moving the business forward, making the cash register ring? How do you manage all that other administrivia and busyness that all of our businesses have? Um, 
uh, and that goes back to people and that kind of thing. And what do you do when you can't afford people, right? There's, I mean, we've all been there. We've all been there. Um, and then, you know, to me, it's, you know, what is, what is the product that you're offering and is it still relevant? Are you adapting to the changing environment, to the changing customer? Do you really understand your buyer persona? Um, who is he or she? What, what are they dreaming up? What are they, what are they hoping for? What do they see as their own potential? What keeps them up at night? What are they reading? How are they reading it? Um, what is their language? I mean, once you know that, then you begin to be able to devise a way to speak to them where they feel like you see them, right? That makes them want to learn more about you and become a lead, a prospect, a customer. Um, I think it's really important for you to know uh, your positioning. Marketing, I believe, is the oxygen of all businesses. You can have the greatest webinar. You can have the greatest um, speaking um, opportunity to speak somewhere or put on your own event. Um, you can have the greatest um, book, but if you don't know how to market it, if you don't understand the marketing messaging blueprint that gets people to see that and go, oh my gosh, I want that. I want to be on that call. I want to attend that event. I want to buy that book. That's its own set of skills and art and that kind of thing. I think you need to know um, about performance. Uh, you know, it's not about accounting. It's about, did you know how to really generate sales? You know, are you leaning in and mastering sales language? Do you understand the arc of how you bring people along, right? How you share with them knowledge they can take action on if they never see you again? How do you seed for what you're not going to be able to get to, but they still need to know. How do you tell stories that let people know that you're not just regurgitating a search off of Google, but you know what you're talking about by sharing the stories by which what you're sharing really does um, how it really works, right? I mean, those are the things that I like to take people on the journey. And in nine months, I have people triple, I have a woman that just tripled her. We created a new business. We decided she needed to retire the other business. It really wasn't working. We created a new business. And by nine months, she tripled the money she had ever made in the old business. I mean, this stuff really works. I have someone, uh, uh, Jennifer, who said, I didn't make one dime working with you, Sandra, in the nine months because I was so busy getting my processes together and getting my priorities and getting my team and re, you know, I was putting, plugging in all the holes in my boat. And yet, without having to worry about getting one more customer, I tripled my revenue, right? because she plugged up the holes where she was losing all the money. So that's what soar is about. You know, you can either walk on the ground with the turkeys, as I like to say, or you can soar with the eagles, right? And um, so it's about, soar was an acronym for me in the beginning called, if you are so over average results, well, let me see if I can help you out. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And, and there are so many people who need just that. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that you mentioned in a, a previous podcast was that um, saying if it ain't broke, don't fix it is not in your wheelhouse. 
that right. every year you examine your business and right. decide before the end of the year the direction you're going to go in and how you're going to change. Yes, ma'am. Um, tell us about that process because sometimes we see ourselves in a certain light and it's very, very difficult to take yourself out of that and see mm -hmm. yourself from the outside in. Yes, very much so. So we have a process. I run my business on five core processes. I mean, I could, you know, do a few days just on that. But one of them is this whole concept called plan, do, review. You plan something and then you do it. And what most entrepreneurs never do is do the review, right? They're, they get, they plan something, they do it, and then they are so busy, they jump into the next thing, whether it be delivering on what they just did, or if it didn't work, let me go do something different, or whatever the case may be. I believe that the millions are actually in the review process. When you stop when you're done and look at what you just did, and say, where did we really shine, you know? And, you know, it's really, your brand is built on the top 10% the top of your shines. Most brands are built on that. It's what people talk about, what they tell others about. It's how they refer. This is why you need to, to belong or be part of the program or whatever, right? And then you need to look at, you know, what were really, what are the problem areas? Like we did it and it all went really well. It could have actually been very successful, but people be get, get um, bitter. They're frustrated. They're tired. They're overworked. They feel understaffed. They feel um, exhausted and frustrated that it was so hard, right? It just wasn't fun. And it, um, and there was, it, it maybe have looked smoothed on the surface, but it's painful and chaos kind of behind the curtain. Um, and then, you know, where, where were there missed opportunities to wow your customer? I do believe the next competitive battleground for all businesses is really in the wow. You know, what is it that you can do that creates this wow effect, right? Because, you know, anybody can Google today just about anything that they want to know, but they, they really want to be part of people that not only know what they're talking about, but they've got some sizzle. So it's really the steak and the sizzle, right? And how you wow the customer. I do just one day uh, customer experience masterminds and transform what people are already doing, but making them pop and be like, wow, doesn't take much. And in some cases, it doesn't even cost you a thing to be able to do that. Right. And then where were the, the other, the flip side is, is when you take problems, problems, there's the problems that you have that nobody sees, right, Anne? But then there's the problems that your customer and your prospect sees. And I feel like those are the threats, right? Those are the things that like, if you don't fix that, uh, you're in big trouble. That's going to be what everybody, um, what's the word out about you that will ultimately prevent you from really being able to grow and scale your business. And then from there, right, then from that plan, do review process, then from there we say, okay, so, you know, what are the problems we're going to fix so that people feel better about being on the team? Um, and what are the opportunities that we missed right, that we can, you know, uh, do. And the, thing about, the interesting thing about opportunities is, you know, we believe in surveying. And so people, I don't have to even guess at the man. I mean, people tell us what they wish we would have done differently. 
because all you have to do is ask, you know, what's one thing we didn't do that you wish we would have boom. And you just look and see if there's more than one, if there's trends, which ones are the really easy slam dunks, which one might require an investment of time, money, resources that you're going to do. And you come back and you show people that you're always improving. I mean, that's really what innovation is all about. Just that constant tweak, tweak, tweak. It's interesting to me how many people get really comfortable in their success and just like, I'm just going to let it run its course and make as much money as I can. I think, I think there's a lot of taking for granted going on. And I, I just fundamentally believe that what gets taken for granted gets taken away. For sure. Um, there are two things that you've talked about. One is being able to shine, mm. which is also great in terms of growth because it's a positive. Yes. Um, but then the other part of it, and I think this is more true of entrepreneurs than uh, people in a traditional work environment, and that is we love a challenge. Mm -hmm. And by seeing the missing pieces, it gives you energy to move forward. Yeah. Which I think it's exciting. Yes. Which you I know? think is exciting too, because it means you're still active. Yeah. And you're not passive, yeah. which is wonderful. Yeah. And that takes me to the Glow Project, which I mm. recently rented and watched, <laughs> uh, which is available out there. Mm -hmm. uh, an amazing, amazing group of women yeah. who speak about their successes but also their challenges, their yeah. truly deep challenges and how they overcame them. Uh, yeah. Talk to us about how that came to be. Yeah, well, you know, I had started to uh, meet all of these like super amazing women. I, I mean, there, there are 12 women that have built um, or run, you know, uh, 50 million to uh, $30 billion. I mean, it's crazy what the, the level of these women. Um, and uh, at the time, I'm thinking, you know, Barbara Rubin, who was one of the top, 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 top entertainment attorneys, you know, in Hollywood, to Susan Rothman, who was the, uh, I think it was, she was the chief, um, was she uh, vice president? Oh, I know. I think it was vice president of uh, consumer products for the NFL, right? Uh, we had Trenisa Denuser, who was one of the vice presidents of Estee Lauder. Uh, Kathy Black, at the time, she was um, the president of Hearst, publishes Oprah's O Magazine, et cetera. I mean, really, uh, another woman, um, um, Marion Luna Brem, who, run, who ran a $30 million Chrysler dealership. I mean, really uber successful women. It was a, a project that I, we'd gotten to know these women so well. And you have to have trust when you're talking to women at that level about, you know, not only what they've achieved, but the really behind the scenes low points. And so those relationships were, you know, really treasured relationships of mine, still are. And um, uh, Donna Orender, who was the president of the WNBA at the time, et cetera. And uh, we, we did the movie. You know, I don't know if you know this, but we actually rang the NASDAQ bell in New York with that movie. Um, you know, had our whole logo and everything on Times Square in New York. And 
Uh, I mean, it really it was uh, the, I think it was Orlando Film Festival, named it the most powerful movie ever created for women um, in business. And uh, it was very powerful. And the reason why is because I think it's so easy when you're first starting and it gets really hard and you see people that are super uber successful and it's really easy to say, ah, you know, I mean, they've had it easy or they had somebody, you know, a mentor that, you know, uh, endorsed them and that sponsored them that, you know what I mean? They can't possibly be dealing with, uh, the kinds of things that I'm facing. And, uh, boy, it's a, isn't it, Anne? It really lets you know you, I mean, my mother used to say, Sandra, when you lay your hand out of all of your problems, just hold on to it before you just throw in the cards. Because once you see what everybody else's hand is, you can probably grab your hand back. (laughs) And, uh, there's a lot of that in this amazing movie to see really the depths of the lows of the lows of the lows and the amazing, you know, overcoming the overwhelm of despair. Yeah, it was, it's a fabulous film. So when you hit those walls where you get up in the morning and you're grateful for being here and you're grateful for everything you've accomplished, but you're thinking, I just can't do this again. Yeah. Um, what is it that motivates you and, and, and gives you the energy to move on? Well, there's a number of things. I mean, one of them is I keep every single um, card that has ever been sent to me. And and my kids know it. When I'm buried, I don't need them to necessarily look at my body. I will have left and hopefully gone to heaven by then, but rather find a wonderful, a wonderful, um, almost like treasure chest, like a hope chest, and go through my cards, fill it with the ones you love, pitch the rest, that's fine. But I want them, they represent a life well lived. And so I have a drawer of them. I mean, I, I mean, I can just um, grab, I mean, I have just tons and tons and tons of them. Um, I mean, I just have them everywhere of all the cards and I've got boxes of them. Um, they mean a lot to me. And uh, sometimes I just need to go into my drawer and my boxes at home. I've got hat boxes and just start opening up. People have written, you know, taken the time to write beautiful things to me about how I or eWomen Network has changed their lives. I also have a team here and that keeps me going. It really does. I mean, I, I know that when I come here, there are people when I'm having a down moment or a down day. I mean, I, I've had my fair share of giving up, and Like, I give up. This is hard. But I've also never quit. <laughs> you know? And sometimes I just, I also believe in the power of prayer, you know? And um, I ask for guidance. You know, please, please show me the way. I can't see it right now, but I trust that you can. And if you just give me a glimmer, I will pay attention and I will move to the light. I will, you know, open that door kind of thing. I also believe in meditation, you know, and getting quiet, getting in touch with my heart because I believe my heart has a language. My mind doesn't understand, you know, and my mind can shout at me. My, my heart whispers. Um, and I believe in journaling. And journaling for me isn't about um it's it's a it's gratitude, but not in the way most people most people get up and they write ten things they're they're grateful for. 
my charge is what can what did I notice today that I'm grateful for, right? And it might be that one email. It might be that one phone call. It might be the street light when I'm trying to measure. I can't see how many steps I've and I just don't want to stop until I've hit 10,000, you know, it might be, and I needed that light to show me because my light was going out on my, on my um, thing on my wrist, you know, it, it might be a FaceTime with my granddaughter and just hearing, hearing her say, I love you, lovey, you know, who's, she's only going to be two. Um, it, I mean, what are the 10 things that happened today or yesterday that I am grateful for. Because if you just ask me my 10 things, I can rattle them off pretty quickly. But each day, sometimes you've got to find, it's getting that really good hot cup of coffee that morning when I really needed it because I had a hard time sleeping the night before. You know? Yeah. It's that kind of thing. Yeah, I try to live every day with gratitude and it keeps me in a positive space, which yes. I think is just so important. Yeah, especially today because everything is so negative. Everything is so like political and just like, really? You know, like, I, you know, people are so easily offended. People say things in a... Uh, I'm astonished at what people will say to other people, you know, what people will call them, what the, the thing, you know what I'm saying? And I just, I make a choice. I, I just think what you think about is what you bring about. And I really, it's not that that stuff isn't there. I just really don't pay too much attention to it. That's also one of the things that I love about the e-women uh, meetings. And that is you break everyone up into small groups Mm -hmm. So you're actually meeting people one-on-one in a group of maybe five or six people. You're finding out more about what they do, who they are, how you can help them. Yes. And that makes the experience so much more valuable. And then you sit down at your table with a different, maybe a different group of people. Yeah. But now you've expanded. Yes. Yes. And much more relational, much more community building. You know, it's not about, you know, she who passes out the most cards wins kind of thing. It's about the real connection. What's your greatest struggle right now? What's your biggest obstacle? What's your biggest dream, your wish? What do you think you need right now? Have you considered this? You didn't even mention it, but I've done that before. And here's another thing you need to think about. I mean, all those things so that you don't think of networking necessarily as always getting one customer at a time, one customer. That's really indoctrinated thinking, that one-to-one-to-one. I mean, building a business is really an ascent. There's an ascension path. It doesn't have to be every step. You can glide. I'd rather network around a problem I'm having that can get me hundreds of customers, (laughs) right, instead of just one at a time. And women just haven't really had access to being able to think that way. We're really smart. You know what I mean? We just don't have, haven't had the access to the wisdom that can really, I think, accelerate our success. But that's one of the beautiful things about eWomen Network, because it is so broad and there are so many women and you can reach out and you can find answers to 
challenges within the organization by reaching out. Yes. It's now more than ever. Yes. And uh, through the Zoom meetings, mm-hmm. we got to meet a different groups of women. I know. Wasn't it great? So, yeah. And some of my closest friends are part of eWomen. So that's been exciting as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's um, a tendency to do that when you get around a lot of like-minded uh, people, right? Natural. True. Yeah. And they're, they're all on a mission. Yeah. They're not just people dipping their toe into a business situation. Right. Driven. And right. I, that makes a difference as well. Yeah. I always say we're not a girlfriend network. I mean, we really aren't about uh, coming from a place of girlfriend first. We're about building businesses. But when you get with the right people, right, it just can't help but expand because you genuinely like, you find, you, you find that you have a lot in common around your values, <laughs> right? So true. Yeah. So true. Um, so I will mention one other, one other film that you were in, which is the uh, Entrepreneur yeah, um, rise of the, the entrepreneur. rise of the entrepreneur. Yes, yes, yes. I knew where you were going. I also thought was wonderful because we do rise. Yes, we and do. And because we do expand, and that's one of the things we've spoken about, which is so incredible and valuable. Yes. So, how have you seen the growth of e women over the years? You've certainly expanded into huge volumes of people, but how have you seen the growth and how has eWomen evolved? Well, um, and you know, it was that, that film, uh, the rise of the entrepreneur is not my film. I was just featured in it. Uh, it's Eric Worre's, um, uh, film, Eric and I have known each other for 30 years, I think. (laughs) Interestingly enough, he was looking for some, uh, women to feature and, and called me and I said, absolutely. Um, be happy to support you. Um, E-Women has grown by just kind of paying attention to what's going on and adopting the philosophy of plan, do, review that we've already talked about. I mean, I really do think that, you know, customers change. And we've had, I think, over 15 million new entrepreneurs enter the entrepreneurial space, the small business space since uh, January of last year. And what I know is that you know, people call it the great resignation. I call it the big quit, (laughs) you know, the big quit because it creates big demand shifts, right? Our customers actually um, have changed. The pandemic introduced them into systems and processes they hadn't used before. So their choices have expanded, their options have expanded, their expectations have certainly um, expanded, and their buying journey has expanded. And so I just believe in innovation. I have a quote on uh, on this side of my office. I have bookcases, and on one of them is a quote from um, uh, Steve Jobs. And he says, uh, sometimes when you innovate, you make mistakes, uh, fix your mistakes and get onto the business of innovating. And so innovation has always been a critical, I think, underlying, um, operating, uh, philosophy and principle of even network. When you go into our big conference rooms, I have, uh, street signs like a stop sign, 
a yield sign, a turn right sign. I mean, literally, you can buy them on the internet. And I hung them upside down um, above our whiteboards. Um, and there's a saying underneath it that says innovation means turning things upside down. And we are here to innovate. We're not, I don't believe in copying other people. I think the scenery only changes for the lead dog. And I want to be seeing the sky and sniffing fresh air. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I also think that the greatest I have right here on, uh, I have a pole in my office. It's structural, uh, comes with the building. I had them in all the offices painted in chalkboard. And I have this bell curve that talks about, you know, um, that the, the, er, the innovators are the ones that those are the ones that really capitalize on the greatest opportunities. There's early adapters, early majority, late majority and the laggards and that kind of thing. But I, I'm, willing to risk and be out there first. I want to be the first to market in my space, right? And so I think innovation is about getting really clear on only the things that only your business can do. Because when people can compare, when you become a commodity and people compare what you offer to someone else that basically offers the same thing, that's, that's, that's a tug. Now you start getting reduced to what is your, you know, what is your price, right? What is the timing? What all of those kinds of things, what you want to do is stay in the space where you really identify things that you do that nobody else is doing. So there's in essence, if you want this, you have to work with me. And by the way, I've got a number of different trust signals from testimonials to hero journeys to corporations that I've worked with that have given me endorsements to prove to you that you can trust that you're going to get, you know, what it is that we are promising, right? Um, uh, but I think that innovation is really what it's about. We really are for us. And, I, and how do you do that? Well, you got to hang around with other innovative people. It becomes very seductive, Anne. It becomes, you know, call it the power of proximity. I mean, that's why I invest so much in coaches and masterminds because, I, I mean, I buy tickets to get the seat at the table um, because I look at that, like if I can take away one idea, one concept that I can capitalize on for the next X amount of years um, and make millions on that idea, pays itself right i mean honestly it's and so you've got to trust you've got to trust that you're smart enough you deserve it sometimes you got to pay to play i've written a check to get access you know sometimes you fall into it you know it's somebody i met ken craigan who changed my life all because i was speaking at an event that he was the attendee of i got there early because i wanted to get a feel for the room i couldn't find a seat there was a seat open next to him i had no clue who he was the organizer of the we are the world campaign quincy jones and michael jackson and at the time the largest humanitarian effort ever in the history of the nation called hands across america but he had an empty seat next to him and we made eye contact i was like can I sit there? And he goes, Oh, come on over. And the next thing, you know, once the presentation is done, we're chatting. And, um, you know, I was honored to, uh, to be one of only about six people that spoke at his memorial service. And he managed everybody from the BGs to, you know, Kenny Rogers for 30 years, Trisha Yearwood and 
Lionel Richie, the Commodores. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. He changed my life. And that was happenstance. I was speaking there, you know, but got there early and sat. So you meet people in all different ways. You have to be open and receptive. Sometimes it happens by happenstance. And sometimes you just got to make it intentional. I, I do very much the same thing. I love opportunity. I love, I don't, you never know what presents itself. Right. And that's how I ended up sitting across from your mother. <laughs> right. There was an, that's crazy. I, you know, if you sat next to my mom, was it at a conference? It was at the conference yeah. in Texas and Ken Cragen had bought the, brought the mariachi band from the high school that conference was just such an amazing experience yeah, on yeah. so many levels. Yeah. But the group of women that I was supposed to be sitting with uh, filled the table and they didn't leave me a seat. <laughs> so, and I walked into the room late and I was wandering around and I saw a seat and I said to a very nice lady, do you mind if I sit here? And I sat down and all of a sudden, I realized the table I was sitting at. Right. But how beautiful was that? Yeah. How that was wonderful. also the last conference she attended, just so that you know. She yeah. died. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. was so wonderful. And it meant so much to me. Mm. Um, yeah, that was an incredible conference. Yeah. Thank you. So, uh, and I do, I so appreciated it. I so totally appreciated it. Thank you. Thank you. That means the world. That's what it's all about. Right? Yeah. And yeah. when you last spoke at uh, the eWomen meeting recently when you were traveling and you were in central Jersey, mm -hmm. I love, I love you, what you have to say. I love mm. the fact that you share your experience. It means so much because you are so totally authentic and real. Mm. And that makes a difference. That makes Thank a you. difference. Yeah. And um, yeah. You see, it's easy to lose your way, right? It's really important to keep your feet grounded for sure. Yeah. You know, but I, I have to tell you, Anne, I love being on the road. I mean, that's the one thing the pandemic taught me. And what I love being on there, I love meeting all of the members and all of the guests and the attendees. I love listening to their stories, what they're struggling with. I love, I mean, I come back just so fueled with um, ideas, you know, it's really fulfilling for me. Well, e-women has certainly attracted some amazing women. I can, mm -hmm. yes, I can say I that for sure. I agree. Um, so where can people find you and yeah. what, where, what would you, and all of your information will be in the show notes. Okay, great. But That's really it. I mean, it's pretty simple. I, I don't have a million ways for you to reach me. I'm Sandra Yancey and uh, the company is eWomenNetwork.com, uh, right? E for Entrepreneurial Women Network. And, uh, and you can get access to everything about me and about eWomen Network there. And uh, so that would be the place to go. Thank you. And in closing, what is one of the most impactful pieces of advice that you've received, which has contributed to your success? I actually think I kind of gave it away, you know, and uh, that was that, you know, give without remembering and, uh, and take without forgetting. I mean, honestly, those are just words I live by. Give because you can. 
you know, uh, give because it feels good, you know, give because, you know, you want to do good in the world, right? And just trust that, you know, there will be a time when you are in need. And I think when you make great deposits into the world, when it's time for you to make a withdrawal, just like a bank account, you know, uh, people will be there. And that is certainly proven to be true um, in my life. And I would, the only other thing I would say is that what I do know is no one makes it alone. And everyone who's made it has really great relationships. And if you're watching this and you're a business owner, um, I would invite you to check us out. If we're not right for you, it's okay. Um, but find your place, find your tribe that matches your vibe and then show up, right? Because when you find a group of people who challenge you, who inspire you, who celebrate you, you want to spend a lot of time with them because they will change your life. Thank you so very, very much. I'm going to definitely listen to this over and over again and put those words on a poster over my mirror in front of me. <laughs> there you thank go. you. Thank, thank you, you so very much. Thanks for joining us. Please follow us, submit a rating and review, and share us with your friends. This helps our message reach more listeners. For more information about my products, visit justwantedtoask.com. Thank you.